Hi everyone and welcome to the Solidarity Right to Refuge podcast. My name is Jenny and I'm really excited to be talking to Solidarity CEO Lexi Netty today. This week is Solidarity's annual week of action and the theme this year is shifting the spotlight and so we're spotlighting refugee narratives in contexts and areas of the world which often receive little attention from the media. Um, and today we're going to be talking a bit about why we chose this theme and why it's important to highlight some of these narratives. So welcome to the podcast, Lexi, and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so I thought we'd start with kind of thinking about why, as a team, we decided to to work with this theme and why, yeah, why we came up with this. Sure. So I think really at our core solidarity and the solidarity community exists to make lasting and long-term change in the way refugees all across the world are treated and I think that all the time that the mainstream media or certain political groups are treating people from certain countries of origin very differently than others um, it's hard for us to make progress on fundamental rights for all. So in our capacity as kind of an awareness raising body and a, a space for education and for learning, we felt that it might be a really good time to actually just tell people a little bit more about some of the other countries that refugees flee from and to that we just don't get to hear about. And, and many people know really next to nothing about, myself included, for a lot of these. And so have you got any kind of specific examples that you were you had in mind when you were thinking about this um well one of the original um countries of origin that the student team had researched quite early on in our thinking about the campaigning that we would do this year was Eritrea um and it's very common especially in Greece where solidarity works with our local partners um you know every week or every month our partner NGOs will receive clients who have been forced to flee Eritrea Um, and actually if you read some of the for example the UN reports or kind of any any really articles about the reasons why people are forced to flee the country it's really quite disturbing Um, mass surveillance torture sexual and gender-based violence uh, lack of freedom of press arbitrary detention and forced conscription all exist Um, and yet I think what's so jarring for us is that very often, uh, especially if the asylum seeker in question is a young teenage boy, they're so vilified at every step in the process um, because young men or young boys, young adult men are often very demonised and uh, kind of narrativised as like bogus asylum seekers or fake asylum seekers. And I think it was just really important for us to get across the message that refugees are fleeing persecution and actually to call somebody bogus when you know nothing about the persecution that they might have faced is is really quite quite damaging um so that was kind of our first country but there are many countries it's almost wrong of me to try and name any single country because I think the whole message for us is is actually that we need we need to widen our lens but there are some countries that generate lots of um refugees lots of people are forced to flee every day and we hear nothing about those countries um that includes the democratic republic of congo for example other countries like cameroon uh the ivory coast but then there are also refugees that flee other countries that you wouldn't necessarily associate as as being countries where there's lots of conflict or war and in fact 
some of these countries themselves host refugees um, and are seen to be quite progressive on a lot of things, but yet people are still forced to flee persecution in that country. And that includes places like Ghana, for example, um, or countries where it's incredibly dangerous to be gay or to have a sexual orientation or gender identity that's in any way different from heteronormative standards. Um, I think, of course, we also need to talk about countries like Albania, where, again, we've seen this real surge in the media really trying to demonise Albanian migrants as kind of here for economic gain and they don't have any real reason to be here. There's often incredible violence and and rights violations in, in countries like this. And I think because often there's a very stereotypical um, portrayal of what a refugee should look like. We miss a lot of these stories and therefore we miss a lot of chances to advocate and, and better support people. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree. It's really interesting to think a lot about like places like Albania as well and just places that aren't necessarily talked about in these conversations of being had in the media. And I'm working a lot on like Latin America and the Caribbean at the moment. And these are issues that are also really important there. Um, For example, in Venezuela, where millions of people have been displaced since since 2015, I think. And that was also exacerbated by the COVID pandemic. I think that's also got its role to play. Um, So, yes, I completely agree with thinking about all of these different places that you don't necessarily highlight. And you make a good point there because one of the reasons that we maybe don't talk about Venezuela or Colombia here in the UK kind of mainstream discourse so much is because very often all across the world, refugees flee to neighbouring countries and over 80% of the world's refugees are hosted in low-income countries. So when we as a kind of European continent don't receive people from a particular nationality, they fall off the agenda. And you're completely right to bring that up because there's lots of different types of displacement and actually not everybody who's forced to flee their home lodges an asylum application in a different country and, and becomes a registered refugee. And we forget that um, even even within the refugee rights space. So I think that's a really great point. Yeah, I guess there's this idea that like um, a refugee is a certain a certain type of person and comes on a certain route to a certain place. And- yeah, it's always always a good thing to be kind of broadening broadening that definition. Um, and yeah, so kind of thinking a bit more also about what you said about um, what a refugee looks like and the kind of stereotypical idea of what a refugee is. I think that's also definitely something that speaks to our situation in the UK today, um, thinking about... Um, the demonization of young single men um yeah yeah and i think this is such a difficult topic because i think there's a lot of anger and a lot of this feeling of betrayal but i think what we often need to remember is that there have been some strides made in the sense that in recent in the last year let's say it's pretty much as we recall there's pretty much one year on since the war in ukraine began in force um I think just as we talked about 
for example, adult single men being really demonized. I think there was this real feeling of injustice amongst so many groups that people fleeing Ukraine had access to all these different ways of passage and an ability to stay in the country and a kind of way to bypass this grueling legal limbo that is being housed in hotels when you're waiting for your asylum process. Um, But I think that we need to remember that that's like, we need to bring everything up to a better standard. And actually, if we hold on to this kind of injustice of, you know, racism has played such a huge part in meaning that some people are treated so much better or worse than each other. But I think what we must be focusing on is we know it can be done. Um, we can support people and therefore we've got to open the door to that conversation. Um, So I think specifically when it comes to gender and age, I think there's lots of different camps as to kind of perceptions of what a typical refugee is. Um, But I think that's actually a really different conversation to what people's perception of a good refugee or a refugee that they want to welcome is. Um, So I think very often, certainly until recently, there was a perception that all asylum seekers are young, adult, single men, and they're probably fleeing a Middle East or a North, Middle Eastern or North African country. And, and that's, that's what people had in their heads. Um, But their perception of a, a good refugee, one that we could welcome, and we'd be safe, and we'd be right to do so was very often female refugees, refugees with children. Um, And I think to a certain extent that may have changed and that may be a positive thing. Um, But I think we're still, again, in the same catch-22 that I referred to where now within the, when you talk to local partners, there's the opposite discourse of like, well, women are receiving all these services and it's outrageous because young men aren't receiving anything. And it's like, no, everybody should be able to receive basic services. Everybody should receive access to their rights. So it's one of those conversations where I'm not sure I particularly answered your question because it's it's kind of, for me, much more about how we go about this conversation of inclusion as opposed to me wanting to bang the drum about like this specific group that's completely marginalised, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think it's really important what you said about like bringing the standard up for... For everyone because yeah as these the situation with refugees from ukraine has shown it is possible and it's very um practically possible as well um i kind of also want to mention on that note the power of like collective action and solidarity um in general and the work that um, that charities like Solidarity and other um, other groups in the UK and worldwide are doing to kind of bring people together to, to think about these issues and to fight for for a better system. Yeah, and I think that's to me that is the beating heart of Solidarity in two ways. Really, I think our partners that we work with in Greece across them they might have specialities and they might have groups of people that they're you know very expert in supporting but they help out everyone no matter your nationality or gender across the board between all of our organizations we we have a a means to support people of any identity um I think that's important that doesn't mean that there aren't specialized services we work with 
local partners who are particularly specialised in working with young people under 23, working with women or working with parents. But that doesn't mean that everybody, we have placed a real focus on this helicopter view and actually we support everyone. Um, But you spoke a little bit about collective action then. And I think it's not until a critical mass of people are really aware of the need to to make changes in the system, I guess, um, that we can go ahead and do it. Um, And so having a week where 30 plus unis, 200 plus people are hosting events, specifically taking this time to share what they've learned about refugee issues, to open the door to some conversations, um, and to do so in a way that is, in many ways, a part of daily life, part of daily student life, I think, for me, is is quite important to what we stand for because we can't make that long term change if people haven't like made come with us on the kind of thought journey and and agree and and know enough to to call out others around them who may have um, more problematic views based on perhaps misinformation. Yeah, definitely. I think there's so much. Um, kind of inspiring work being done on university campuses and at the moment with the strike action that's going on in the UK also these conversations are being had on picket lines kind of bringing those struggles together I think it's really really important Um, and kind of talking a little bit about Greece um, so that brings us on to thinking about some of the work that Solidarity does and Another side of this conversation, which is the destination countries and highlighting narratives from those places. Um, So would you be able to talk a little about some of the reasons it's important to also think about that side of the story? Yeah, for sure. And I think when we chose that theme, shifting the spotlight, we had both in mind. We had both the countries that people flee from, where actually there is just no international attention despite such atrocities going on and no help coming um but also actually we need to shift the spotlight off very specific countries that receive refugees or certainly shift what's being focused on within those countries so I think there was a moment in kind of 2015-2016 where Greece was at the forefront of the media attention certainly in Europe but the narrative was very much like oh panic stations you know heavens uh, too many people are seeking safety and and that seemed that was portrayed as the problem um so i think now really greece has just fallen off the agenda and that's that's really why we're still there because there are thousands of people who are still living in camps or homeless or living in abandoned buildings who are still experiencing border violence who are still lacking in access to their rights and whilst it's natural and it's normal that we must, as a as a kind of international community, widen that lens and, and respond to other crises as they develop. It's important that the humanitarian sector as a whole doesn't kind of leapfrog from thing to thing. Um, and actually, we have a stable presence. We've been existing, our NGOs have been existing for five plus years now. We know how to do this. Um, and I think that's why it's potentially more important than ever that we really speak about that and speak about the work being done in Greece because I'm not sure how many other people really are. Yeah, the idea of having a, a stable a stable presence in Greece, even after 
the media has kind of stopped talking about it. Um, yeah, it's the idea that the work doesn't become any less important. It's still yeah. absolutely fundamental. I think there's a narrative that the refugee crisis in Europe is maybe over, um, and that was a 2015 problem. Um, and I think those in power have really tried their best to make it look that way um, by moving camps further and further out of cities, making them more and more controlled and surveilled so that people actually just can't leave freely by turning people in their boats back in the water and dragging them back out to sea so that they seem not to have any asylum seekers because no one ever managed to reach the shore to apply. And I think a big part of the reason that we exist and we exist in Greece so strongly is because there is such a, there is such a depth of need when every other major actor has kind of moved on. So we just wanted to recenter that a little bit. Yeah, thank you for yeah for bringing that up. And yeah, one other thing I wanted to to mention that you kind of briefly touched on a little bit at the beginning was um, places like the Democratic Republic of Congo that are both that a lot of people leave or are displaced, but they also host a lot of refugees. So kind of breaking that narrative that some places send refugees and some places receive them there are actually many places that do both that's yeah it's such a good point I think we kind of need to lose this binary view of like this is a country that produces refugees this is a country that hosts refugees because you're totally right and the DRC hosts half a million refugees as we speak um that doesn't mean that it doesn't produce refugees um as well and I think just whilst we're on the subject, it might just be worth kind of mentioning that colonial histories play such a huge part in the legacies of displacement that carry on to this day. I mean, the DRC only gained independence in 1960, which is just not a long time ago. And that's similar for lots of countries that people are now forced to flee to seek safety, doing so hoping that there will be someone there to provide some basic services and somewhere they can live in peace and safety. And I think it's important that we also look backwards whilst we're trying to find solutions. Yeah, yeah, I really agree with that. Um, I'm thinking also like of somewhere like Haiti, um, which has been occupied so many times during its history, even though it's been independent since 1804. Um, it's just been under constant occupations from different different world powers, and then something like the earthquake in two thousand and ten, which the country is still reeling from, um, sent kind of caused so much displacement to places around um, Latin America and in France, and so much of the reason, well, some of the reason why that was such a massive disaster is because the histories of occupation weakened the kind of infrastructure of the country to such an extent. And so, yeah, I really agree. It's it's vital to kind of think about those elements as well. And yet somebody who flees Haiti now may have a very difficult time accessing their rights because fleeing for reasons other than persecution based on your identity or beliefs doesn't always qualify you for refugee status or humanitarian Mm. protection and so a country that 
Western powers uh, successively weakened the country's resilience and then they had an enormous disaster does that none of that necessarily means that anyone from that country is is accessing any any kind of protection or access to international rights necessarily so yeah i think it's important that we just just try not to be too dog with a bone on any single issue when we're talking about displacement i think we just as a community it's my belief that the more we can take a step back and just know that there are so very many different ways in which people might be forced to to move or to need international support, the better for all of us, actually. Yeah, I really agree. I think thinking about that kind of wider wider picture is, is so important. I think on that on that note, I think that probably will bring us to a close for this episode. Um, so all that remains now is for me to thank you, Lexi, for joining us um, on the podcast. And you've been listening to Solidarity's Right to Refuge podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Mm-hmm.